we are in John chapter 17, starting in verse 13, and I put it in the NIV because I like the way it rendered this a little bit better. I am coming, he's praying to God, Jesus, I am coming to you now, so I'll pray, Lord, as we open up your word today and look at the next, I think, six points of your prayer for us. Help us to hear what you prayed for us, be reminded of it, and then walk in obedience to what you prayed for us. Help us to fulfill what you prayed for your followers. Amen. I'm coming to you now, right? Next chapter, he gets arrested. He's about to be crucified. He knows this. I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world so that, here we go. We're going to find what that so that is there for. He's saying these things. He's praying for these disciples so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. So the first point from today, prayer point number two, is Jesus wants you to be full of joy. I've got that joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. How? Because the Holy Spirit lives in my heart. We have his joy because he lives in us. And not just a little bit of joy. It says a full measure of joy. A full measure of joy. So what is the full measure of joy? And how can you have a half measure of joy or a partial measure of joy? Well, isn't it talking about the fullness of the Spirit in us? Think about that for a second while I take a drink of my tea. I mean, love, joy, peace, joy. It's one of the fruit of the Spirit, right? So it is a fruit of the Spirit, but we would have to, the full measure of joy, which would be the fullness of the Spirit. So the, in, in context, I think a better idea here is that the fullness of God's Spirit is in us and within us that brings us joy. The very thing where he said unity amidst hostility, unity for the sake of clarity, but unity in the Spirit. Now he's going on and saying, I'm saying this, I'm praying for them, so they will have the fullness of the Spirit in them, the fullness of my joy. Think of how exciting it is if you're talking about uh, that concept of that intimacy between God and man, that oneness we have with him when you are not united, where God considers when you worship other things than him to be spiritual adultery. So it's his ultimate joy for us to be unified with him and for him to be dwelling in us, that complete union with God, the Holy Spirit in us. That, that's kind of the mystery that said was hidden throughout the ages, right? The mystery, Christ in you via his spirit, the hope of glory. That's the mystery that he's excited about. And he wants us to experience the fullness of his joy and have him living in us through his Holy Spirit. That's point number two in his prayer point. Unity, joy. Can't spend too long in each point if we're going to get through all seven, right? Verse 14 and 15. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world. We talked about that earlier, in the world but not of the world. We talked about the animosity and the hatred that comes from the world system. Just as I am not of the world, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. <clears throat> Prayer point number three, what it isn't is an escape clause. It's not for him to take us out of the world. I, we, I've, I've asked you that before. Why, when you get born again, don't you just instantly get translated to heaven like Enoch, right? Jesus did not pray for us to be taken out of the world, not just this Christian escapism, but that we would be in the world but we would be protected from evil or from the evil one, which reminds you of what? It reminds you of the other Lord's Prayer, which I call the Disciples' Prayer in Matthew 6 and Luke 11, where he teaches them to pray and keep us from evil or and protect us from the evil one. Here it is again, which again goes back to the prayer of Jabez, the same thing, protection from 
harm or evil or for causing pain or being in pain. In all three prayers, we see there's this idea of this protection. Because it is a spiritual warfare. This is not vacation. We talked about that last week. Changing your mindset from thinking, oh, this is just a vacation. No. You're an ambassador in a hostile country trying to promote that truth, that kingdom, that philosophy. And, and you have an enemy. And so Jesus prayed that while we're here, occupying until he returns, that we would be protected from the evil one. So in point number three, point number one, unity. Point number two, joy. Point number three, protection from the evil one. It helps if you change your mindset. A lot of our grief in life is from uh, unrealistic expectations. You have to alter your expectations to where you are. Change your expectation of a vacation to a battle. We are at war. The evil one is attempting to overcome us with evil. And what does Romans 12.21 say? Look it up. Romans 12.21 says we are to overcome evil with good. So I'm saying rise up and fight. Overcome evil with good. Put on the armor of God uh, and put on well prayer. Because in my system, the armor of God, six components, we added seventh because we call it the bow of prayer because then it says with all prayer. So you put on the armor of God, the righteousness of God, you rise up and you overcome evil with good. What is good? The good qualities of God that you put on like an armor, including prayer, which is what Jesus is doing right here. He's praying, right? So we are called in Romans 12 to overcome evil with good. And Jesus prayed for us here in John 17 that we would not be overcome by the evil thoughts. Point number three, if you're keeping track. Point number four and five here in these few little verses, verses 17 and 18, sanctify them in the truth. And he clarifies what that is, just in case you want to know. Your word is truth. Okay, here we go. Let's stop. Small rabbit trail. What is truth? Well, there's all kinds of truth, but if any of the smaller truths don't line up with the bigger capital T truth of God's word, then it's not truth. Ultimate source of all truth is God himself. He created the universe. He he's determines what's good and bad, what's right and wrong, what's true and false. And if you're going to be sanctified in truth, then you have to become a man or woman of God's word. Well, I've read the Bible before. Well, parts of it are really boring. Well, part of it is weird and I don't understand. Part of it I don't like. Well, it's hard to read. I don't have a good translation. Well, I'm a busy person. You can't be sanctified in truth unless you are a man or woman of God's word, which is why we continue to push our people to be doing daily devotionals to, as a family, to be opening up. Think about that. If you are the leader of your household, whatever is under the authority of your household, think of the blessing you have talks about washing them with the water of the word. If you are the man or woman who's leading your household and you're sanctifying your family in truth on a daily basis by opening up God's word and washing their minds from the pollutants that are here on this earth, and if you don't think your family members are being polluted by the friends, by the songs, by the TVs, by the movies, by the billboards, by the internet, my friend, you are deceived. <laughs> Excuse me. So we are called to sanctify them in truth by using God's word as truth. And he goes on in 18, as you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. So point four is to purify or sanctify ourselves and those under our authority in truth, to be washed, renewed, cleansed, made holy by God's word. All of those are pictures that are in scripture. 
So we're to use God's word to wash us, to renew us, to cleanse us, to make us holy. We're to be sanctified in truth. We are to be people who know, that's what Awana stands for, approved workmen are not ashamed. They know how to handle accurately God's word. Be a person who is comfortable with the scriptures and knows how to use God's word for all situations. But point number five is, going back to the armor of God, right? The sword of the spirit is the word of God as part of your armor. The point of being good with your sword is not just so you can win a competition in Awana and say, I memorized the most Bible verses. And that's cool. But the point is because you're going to be sent back as an ambassador or maybe as a soldier. You're going to be sent back as ambassadors to do a job, to do warfare, to establish the kingdom of God amongst the kingdoms of men. There's lots of verses in the New Testament about us being, pick your term, ambassadors, soldiers, employees, servants, stewards. Either way, there's two points here. Point number four, be sanctified in the word. So you choose to be a man or woman of the word and wash those who are under your authority in God's word on a regular basis. But number two, realize this is not vacation. We've been sent back into the world, not to be conformed to the world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our mind through the washing of the water of the word and then to go back and rescue the lost. In scripture it says it's like snatching them from the fire. Why does God wait? Why is he so patient? Why has judgment not come? Because he wants all men to be saved. And we play a part of that. We are the body of Christ. We are his hands and feet extended. He's working through us, which is why we have to be unified, which is why that's point number one. Either way, point four and five is being purified or sanctified in truth and then being sent back as ambassadors in the world. This is what Jesus prayed for you, that we would be unified in God's breath, that we would be full of joy, joy unspeakable and full of glory, that we would be protected from the evil one when we go to battle. I mean, there it is. And then we would be purified or sanctified in the truth of God's word as we're sent into this battle. Two more points to go now. Point number six. Verse 24. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me because you love me before the foundation of the world. Isn't it good to know that Jesus earnestly desires your safe arrival in heaven he wants us to be with him where he is it says that he's on the right hand of god right now and he's interceding for us the thought that jesus has saved you he's in the process of transforming you he's tried to imprint you with his image and you are to re replicate him and reflect him to this world and he knows you're in a hostile territory but he's with us he's going to lead us and he's going to guide us he's going to protect us but that he longs for us to be with him. As much as you long to be in heaven, Jesus longs for you to be there. Think about that, Philippians 1, 6, right? He who began a good work in you. Go back to the beginning. Born again. Unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He who began that, your eternal life began then. The God who began your eternal life is going to carry it on to completion. He's not going to let go of your hand. He's going. He earnestly desires. We, we talked about this in one of the devotional times that God is a jealous God in the sense that he, he wants to share us with none other, right? Or his one and only spouse, the church of Christ, the bride. He wants to share us with another with that jealousy. He's awaiting our arrival in heaven, anticipating with fullness of joy 
that we would arrive in heaven. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day we are united with Christ. That, that's why the marriage picture so much reflects, in the physical sense, the spiritual connection between us and God and that longing for us to be one with him in his home in heaven. Whatever it may be, you can have your concept, your idea, but the point is Jesus is ready to bring you there at the right time. So prayer point six is safe arrival in heaven. Jesus is praying that we will make it to heaven safely. That's good. That's encouraging to know. Sometimes it doesn't feel like it down here, but it's true. Some things are true whether you see them or believe them or not. And finally, prayer point number seven. Uh, yes, uh, only 25 minutes in. And Pastor Steve is already to his finally slide, covering seven points. Ah, that's got to be a world record. John 17, 26, he says, I made known to them your name and will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. Prayer point number seven is the love of God flowing through us. I would say it goes back to where Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? And he, he gave two, actually. He said, love God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Notice here that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. So that love, Jesus in us, then moves out to the world around us. Jesus' prayer for us was that the love of God, which is kind of an action verb, really, for God so loved the world, what did he do? He gave his son. Jesus saying, earlier, if you love me, you obey me. So the idea of God loving us and us receiving that love by accepting Jesus Christ into our life, making him Lord and Savior so he could be in us, living in us by his spirit, unifying us so that his joy may be complete in us and that we would then share this love. Anytime you talk about love, there's a passage that comes to my mind, which would be 1 Corinthians 13. And I believe it was quoted by the groom as his vows to my daughter at her wedding. Pretty cool. Um, but what it says in the top of 1 Corinthians 13 is there's all these good things you might do. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, if I prophesy, if I give my money to the poor, if I surrender my body to the flames for the sake of the gospel, but I have not love. I'm a noisy gong, I'm a clanging cymbal, and it profits me or gains me nothing. So that's why in the final prayer of Jesus, he prayed that we would have <clears throat> true agape, godly love, the love of God that comes in us, brings us to life, connects us with God, and then allows, I got a river of life flowing out of me. I got a river of love flowing out of me. Right? That life of love of God that's deposited in us through Jesus flowing in and out of us. That was the last thing Jesus prayed for us. So uh, let's back up and review real quick. Here we go. For point number one from last week was unity. Unity amidst hostility, unity for the sake of clarity, and unity in his spirit, which goes to point two, which is that we would have the fullness of joy, which is the fullness of God's spirit in us. So we would have unity via the spirit that brings 
his joy complete, that we would be full of joy because it's the God's joy because we've been united with him because the Spirit lives in us, the mystery revealed in us. But then we went on to say that he that in this process we are going to be opposed by a supernatural enemy, the devil. And so we need to be not taken out of the world yet. One day we will be at the fullness of time. Praise God for that because Jesus longs for us to be with him and one day we will be. But in the meantime, that we'll be protected from the evil one. So you need to know there's spiritual warfare going on. Get the armor of God on. Be a man or woman of the word. Be a man or woman of prayer because there's spiritual warfare. And Jesus prayed that you would be protected from the evil one. But you have to, Psalm 91, come under his wings and be protected. And we learn the next two points, that we would be sanctified in the truth so that you would be a man or woman of God's truth and you would wash your mind with the truth of God's word. You would continue to replace the lies that are in your heart, that are from the devil, and that come from the world. You'd replace all those lies and you'd wash your mind with God's truth. You would not be brainwashed by the world. You'd be brainwashed by God in a good way, cleansed, renewed, made holy, sanctified. And then we would have the tools to march forth as his ambassadors and represent him. My question is, in retrospect, as we review this, is am I representing Christ in my conversation with my spouse and how I raise my kids and what I do at work and how I'm spending time with my friends and buddies? Are we representing him everywhere we go? Are we the ambassadors that represent the kingdom of God? Well, well done, good and faithful servant. Prayer point six, Jesus longs for our safe arrival in heaven. That gives you peace amidst the storms because you know like the disciples when they were on the boat on the storm, Jesus was above praying for them. He's praying for their safety and for their faith not to fail. Whatever's going on in your life right now, Jesus is watching over you. And this life isn't all there is. This is the beginning of eternal life that culminates with our arrival in heaven. And Jesus is going to get you safely home. Rest in that, my friend. And finally, for love, that we would be complete faithful love these three remain but the greatest of these is love that we would be complete by having god's love shed abroad in our hearts and then poured out to the people around us father i thank you for today i thank you for the seven points of the prayer of jesus found in john 17 that we would be just amazed that these were the specific things jesus prayed for us that we would take notes and we would review them and that we would act upon them so that your prayer for us for us would come to fruition. They would be fulfilled in our lives. And we could hear you say, well done, good and faithful servant. We thank you that you love us and you prayed for us. Amen.